0: Derek's face was stony and etched with rage as he sat in the dark cab staring at my house. As they described it, the police found his blog where he wrote about
1: his obsession with one of the girls who lived next door.
2: The most disturbing true tales of terror.
3: I could kill you right now if I wanted to. No one would ever find you
2: featuring narrations by the best in the business.
4: She grabbed me by the throat and by my hair and pushed me under the water again.
1: I can honestly say I have never been so scared in my life.
2: I'm your host, Chad. Join me every Thursday on Disturbed True Horror Stories in your favorite podcast app or online at disturbedpodcast.com for the most immersive true horror experience. Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. We have returned from the desert. As you may recall, it was semi-dark last week due to finally filming our much-delayed documentary Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Borrego Triangle. Well, we spent about four days out there last week bouncing from location to location. You don't want to sit still too long out there. You're liable to melt. Well, it hit 119 midday on our second day of shooting. That was pretty brutal. But we met some great folks, saw some interesting things, and we even caught it all on camera. A huge thanks to Sean Campbell at Campbell Coachworks, our amazing crew, Roxanne, Chris, and Brian, and of course the greater Anza-Borrego Desert State Park area. More updates on that project as work progresses. Now I have a killer of a show for you this evening. A fine array of terrifying paranormal phone calls that I'm sharing just with you. So let's begin our evening in 1978. Southern Illinois. Lori, tell us about your experience.
5: Hi Derek, my name is Lori, and my story happened, it was around 1978. I would have been seven, and I have an older sister named Lisa who was having a slumber party. She was turning 14. We lived in Illinois, south central, kind of about 30 minutes from St. Louis, really close to the border there. It was a small rural town. There was a large family farm about a mile almost directly behind us who owned a lot of large fields around, and they would always plant corn and wheat. So we always had a huge corn or wheat field behind us. My father also would plant fruit trees. He had apple trees, peach trees, walnut trees, and we also had a fairly large garden in the backyard. So anyway, this particular evening, as I said, my sister was having a slumber party, so we all went outside. We were sitting in a circle. If you were looking out the front door, we were at the left side of the house. Part of The circle could actually see directly into the backyard. The other part was actually obstructed by the house, so you couldn't see back there. And my dad also had a shed, one of those shed kits, the metal ones with the sliding doors that he kept his lawnmower and tools in and everything. So anyway, I was just sitting there with the girls, not really paying attention to what they were talking about, because I was just thrilled to death that I was out there in the first place. And then all of a sudden, everyone just shut up and a split second later they all just started screaming and they got up and started running into the house well in this big mess i got knocked to the ground i landed on my right side i could see right into the backyard and i saw what looked like a huge monster i could see the outline of hair it was july it was a warm night um it was bright out I couldn't make out any facial features or anything, but I could definitely see it was as tall as the peak of my dad's shed. It looked like it had no neck. It reminded me of someone in the old movies if they had their arms in the stocks. Um, It just looked like a head shoved into really broad shoulders. And I also noticed it looked kind of like the screaming caught it off guard or maybe startled it because it kind of shuffled its feet. I saw the it bent its right knee and I remember just seeing the bend and seeing the hair where it bent and it made kind of a grunting noise and this is going to sound silly but the thing that reminds me of it most is the yummy noise if you've ever seen young Frankenstein so anyway I was the last one in the house of course I made it in told my mom there was a monster in the backyard of course she didn't believe me I kept insisting, so she took me into the kitchen. We looked out the window. There's nothing there. I kept on going about it. I wouldn't shut up, so finally my mom took me out to the backyard, and we looked, and of course there was nothing there. I still insisted there had been a monster, and she finally said, well, maybe it was your brother. I have an older brother who played football, and I said, well, would he have been in his football uniform back there? And she just, you know, kind of laughed it off. Well, finally, you know, I forgot about it. I had nightmares for probably a week or so, but then I forgot about it. And then, oh, maybe a month or so later, I was in the basement playing with some old toys and my brother had this rubber ape, I believe it was like a Planet of the Apes toy. And I remember taking it up to my mom and saying, this is what I saw, this is what I saw in the back. And of course, she just kind of you know, was like, yeah, whatever. I had forgotten all about it until I was at work Looking up some scary stories, I was bored, wasting company time, and I came across Cryptozoology and the BFR website, and I was very surprised to see that there actually had been quite a few reports of sightings in my area. One of them was very close to my home. I used to actually jog by the house every day, and I had forgotten about what I saw until my husband and I were moving, and he had the same rubber monkey toy or rubber ape toy, and it just brought it all back. And I checked with my sister because I didn't want to, if this was just all, you know, figment of a young girl's imagination, I didn't want to call and waste anybody's time, but she verified everything.
2: Thank you, Lori. Now, before I start geeking out over this encounter, let's start by sharing the sound Lori thought the creature sounded like. Here's the yummy sound from the film, Young Frankenstein. Now, mm. mm. be honest, that's the standard monster noise that most dads make when chasing their kids around the yard, but for Lori's sake, I'll just assume that it was louder and more forceful at the time of the experience. But let's back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. In late June of 1973, a small town that sounds to be within a stone's throw of Laurie's Town had a flap of sightings of a creature most people couldn't comprehend. A creature the town of Murfreesboro, Illinois would go on to dub. The Big Muddy Monster.
6: In the early 1970s in Murfreesboro, Illinois, the town was terrorized by a creature that was thought to come out of a local river called the Big Muddy. This river gave rise to the creature's name, the Big Muddy Monster. But the sightings go back much further than the 1970s. In 1942 there was a flap about a creature terrorizing the region that was so startling to the community that newspapers warned children not to go into the woods by themselves. Livestock was found ripped apart and devoured by a creature that locals referred to as the Thing. The 50s continued with sightings, as workers at the Murfreesboro Iron and Metal Company had multiple reports of a creature that frequented the area. In 1968, another creature was reported, this one over 10 foot tall that was referred to as the What's It. But it was in the 1970s that the area was a hotbed of paranormal activity, consisting of curious sightseekers, amateur monster hunters, and cryptozoologists. Then, during the summer of 1988, an incident occurred at a local salvage yard that resulted in yet another flurry of reports. Although the sightings tapered off, stories of the creature continue to this day.
2: Now that bite comes from the brand new documentary by Chad Lewis and Kevin Lee Nelson, creature from Big Muddy. You can see the entire film streaming on Amazon Prime right now. But essentially it tells of the sightings from that area, of a large, white, bipedal creature. And, as that quick snippet suggests, the sightings weren't limited to the 1970s. In fact, exactly 10 years from the date of Lori's interaction. A junkyard owner named Bob Ryman had his own harrowing experience with the creature from the big money.
7: Bob Ryman claims he did, alerted there was an intruder at his salvage yard. Bob and his security guard, Charlie, went to investigate. That's when they heard the scream. It come out
4: like a siren. It was like a wall and raised to a real high pitch. That alone was enough to scare you. You know how somebody says they're in awe. I was so petrified it was like I was in awe. I managed to get the words out to Charlie, should I shoot it? And he said, No, don't. No. As big as this thing was, it would probably just make it mad. Out of nowhere comes this big bang on the back of the building scared the hell out of every one of us.
3: It sounded like somebody had shot a gun and it hit the building. I heard that bang and I thought I was a goner.
4: You know, we kind of all looked at each other. We didn't know what was going to take place.
2: Now that clip was courtesy of Monsters and Mysteries in America. So part of this creature's lore at least to me, screams of a practical joke. Some local trickster with a monkey suit will get his kicks from time to time by terrorizing folks nacking by the river. But you know, that's risky business. It wasn't all that long ago that some dude got himself killed trying to hoax a Bigfoot encounter on a Montana highway. Here's the story as it was reported by Slate News.
7: A man wearing a Bigfoot costume and apparently trying to create a hoax by traversing a highway in Montana has been hit by two cars, run over, and killed, according to CNN. Randy Lee Tenley was apparently wearing a camouflage ghillie suit, which resembles earthen trees, when he walked out onto a stretch of Highway 93 Sunday night. Officials said the 44-year-old man was struck by a car driven by a 15-year-old girl and then run over by another vehicle driven by another teenager. Tenley's companion said that he was trying to make drivers think they were witnessing a real live Sasquatch when he wandered into the right-hand lane of the highway. Authorities are awaiting a toxicology report to see if alcohol was involved.
2: So that's all the proof you need to know that hoaxing these things can be downright dangerous. Especially in an area like Southern Illinois, where you know most folks own a firearm. But that time span... If this was a single hoaxer, he or she would have had to have been quite committed. The clip from Creature from Big Muddy mentioned that the first sightings began in the early 1940s. And I myself have heard reports from as late as 2010 or so, claiming to have seen the beast. And that brings me back to the yummy sound from Young Frankenstein. That sound is familiar cliche even and it's most certainly human but regardless of the origin Lori, i have no doubt you saw something that terrorized you i also have no doubt that you saw the Murfreesboro mud monster whatever that thing may be thanks again for the amazing entry now get those calls in folks we're rounding up hometown legend entries and tales from medical workers. And of course, as always, we're accepting any true paranormal encounter. Just call our hotline at one 888 608 That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can visit the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the report you're tab. Wow, I chewed up some clock on that entry. So let's let someone else do some talking. Someone like Jacob, out of California.
1: Hi there, Uh, my name is Jacob from Fresno, California. Uh, I called once before about creepy stuff that used to happen in an old house that I used to live in in San Diego. But this story takes place in Fresno. So I was watching my little brother for a couple of weeks while my freaking parents were out in uh, San Diego. Yeah, so he always liked it because I would let him stay up late and stuff and we would always go outside late at night with my telescope just to try to like look at stars and constellations and check out the moon and stuff. We were out there one night and uh, it was just kind of like a typical night. We stared at the moon for a little bit and freaking we were just I don't know, we just messing around, joking around and stuff. And out of nowhere, we look off in the distance and it was probably about like 11, 11:11:30. Eh, 11, And I look off into the distance and there's this one tiny little red light. And it doesn't even look like that high up off the ground or that far away. It just looks kind of like it's just floating there chilling. And then so I don't think anything of it. I don't tell them or anything because I just think it's like a plane or a helicopter or something like that because we're close to an airport. So a couple minutes go by and then I see it kind of start to move a little bit. But it's kind of moving like towards us almost. And it's just this red light. It's just this weird little red light. And at that point, I kind of nudge him and I pointed out to him like, hey, what's that light right there? And he sees it and he doesn't know what it is. He just thinks it's a light and it starts getting closer to us. And I'd say it's maybe like 50, 75 feet up off the ground and it gets to the house that's right behind us. And then it starts rising up. And then while it's still rising up, it's kind of coming towards us. And then it gets right above our heads. And then we're just staring up at it, and then we just see it start to, like, climb up, like, just rise up. So as it's rising, we're just staring at it, like, what the hell is this? And then all of a sudden, it just blinks out, like, it just goes away. And, like, still to this day, I have no idea what it was. I don't know if it was, like, a drone or something or what it was, but instantly after that, my little brother got super scared. He wanted to go in, and (laughs) he hasn't wanted to go back out ever since. Yeah, that was my story. I uh, I was listening to the celebrity one where uh, Dan Aykroyd was talking about it, and that just really, like, jogged my memory. I was like, oh, crap, that happened. Yeah, but uh, thank you very much. Love your podcast. Bye.
2: Thanks, Jacob. I think you left your turn signal on, though. You know, that's a good reminder. While we do appreciate every submission... Please make sure to submit from a quiet place with good reception. Moving cars are neither. And it only creates a nightmare for me. So it sounds like Jacob encountered some sort of drone. Though I find it odd that he didn't report the customary whirring sound that typically accompanies your average drone craft. Now the real question is, who's on the other side of the camera lens? Thanks, Jacob, for reporting your entry. Now, folks, our next entry is a spooky one that reminds me of a few of my childhood fears. Please welcome Cody from Georgia to the program.
8: Hey, so this is Cody from Woodstock, Georgia. I just recently stumbled across your podcast, and I've been listening to it nonstop. I have a story, it's not necessarily scary or creepy, but my mom, stepdad, uh, stepbrother, me and sister just moved into this house. And while we were viewing the house, my stepbrother had sat in this beanbag chair that was by the fireplace in the living room. So one night after we'd moved in, we were all watching TV after eating dinner in the living room. So I'm sitting there in the floor just watching TV and see this golden lab walk down from the hallway where our bedrooms were in front of me and then curl up and lay down in front of the fireplace where the beanbag chair used to be. So I look up to my mom and I asked, did the people before us have a dog? Because we didn't have a golden lab. We just had a little chihuahua. And she said they did. And she looked at my stepdad and they're like, well, how did you know that they had a dog? And I told her that I just saw it walk down and go lay down in front of the fireplace. And they had said that the beanbag that was there by the fireplace was for their dog that had just recently passed away before we had moved in. So I just thought that was kind of not really scary, but kind of creepy, I guess. And I wanted to share it with you. And we have a couple other spooky encounters around that house that my parents are still living in and it's still just a creepy little house but anyway I just wanted to share you my story and show my support for the podcast I definitely love it and keep up the good work
2: thank you Cody you know there's something weird about ghost pets well I guess there's something extra weird about ghost pets you know if the specter is One of your past pets. I know I'd give anything to see some of my past pets dart across the room and disappear. But it's another when it's someone else's ghost pet. There's just something unsettling about that concept. It sort of adds new meaning to the phrase, Who's a good boy? Either way, thank you again, Cody, for calling in. The Monsters Among Us shop is open and ready for business. Sarah and I, okay, mostly Sarah, have been crazy busy shipping out posters, shirts, hats, and all sorts of goodies. So don't miss out. Visit the shop at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com forward slash shop and pick up something nice for yourself today. Now this isn't Tee Public or one of those other sites. The artists are from the paranormal community. Our printer, Nick, lives in Phoenix, and prints a majority of our products. I leave my mark on the box or on the poster, and Sarah organizes it all and sends it out. So I'm not joking when I say each sale goes a long way to help the show grow. And one of the benefits of growth is more listener-submitted stories. Submitters, like Dave, in the state of Utah.
4: Hey Derek, this is Dave from Northern Utah again, calling to report what I think is a Glurman sighting. We were uh, coming in one night from walking to my girlfriend's dog. something <laughs> out of the there? She went upstairs to the bed, and I stayed downstairs doing some dishes. And the dog went upstairs with her. And the way the house is laid out is it just has an open concept, just a small kitchen and then a living room, and then it goes upstairs. The front door is just to the right of the stairs. So as you walk in the door the door opens up and blocks to go upstairs anyway that comes into play a little bit so I'm downstairs and I just have the light on above the sink so that the room is dark it's late at night probably 11 30, 12 o'clock and so then I'm sitting there and it just felt kind of weird kind of odd and then out of nowhere my girlfriend's dog comes running down and she's just a puppy like eight or nine months but she's supposed to be a golden doodle Pyrenees mix so she's a relatively good-sized dog and then she just starts staring at this corner and the second that she runs up and stops and plants, I just heard this, like, <gasps> like someone was holding their breath. And so, like, just kind of hard of being on edge, I turned around and I carry a little pocket flashlight, about 200 lumens. And so, for a small confined area, it's pretty bright. So, I turned it and it was odd because there was a shadow on the wall, like an outline of a person, but nothing there, like no human, nothing. I could notice the shadow kind of move more like and just kind of swaying for trying to not move. And I just looked at it for a minute, and in all honesty, I I thought about Glytherman, and I just said, hey, I don't care what you're doing here. I'm going to go. You leave. Do not bother us, or there'll be consequences. And I showed him, I I believe in carrying a handgun, so I showed him, I said, you're invisible. There will be consequences. I'm not going to mess with this. And so I grabbed the dog and literally had to pull her upstairs, and I just went upstairs and I didn't want to alarm my girlfriend because typically she's there alone and we just went to bed. Probably 10 minutes later I'm laying in bed and the dog just jumps up and runs over and barking at the door to the bedroom. And so I was like well, okay. And so my girlfriend was like what in the world? And so I got up and I just went over and I opened the door and I just said leave. And I pointed on it. I pointed my gun and I just said leave. The reason that I felt comfortable just walking up to the door and pointing the gun at it and telling to leave was that my gun has a laser on it. And so, like I said, in the living room, I just showed it to him. It was like, you will be met with consequence. But when I went to the door of the bedroom, I pointed it and I had the laser on. And, you know, if nothing had been there, it would have shown through to the other rooms. They're really bright if you've never seen a laser that we put on the gun. Like, they're bright. You don't see the trail, you see the dot. But when I pointed it and had that dot it stopped and hit something, like, four feet in front of me. And it's bright enough that, like, when it shines, it'll kind of illuminate what it's hitting. And it is just shining on, like, shimmery air, like Boomer Like, it was just kind of was hitting something, but there wasn't anything there. And I shut the door. And not 20 seconds later, my girlfriend gets an alert on her phone that there was motion at her front door. And she was just like, this is all really weird. Please go check on it. And so then I walked out. And I round the corner, and I look down the stairs, and I can see the front door wide open, which I knew had been locked. And so I didn't want to alarm her. I just shut it, I locked it, and I went upstairs and went back to bed, and I haven't seen anything since. This was about three months ago, January, February, and I haven't seen or heard anything since. But yeah, that's my story, and I'm pretty sure I saw a man. Well, I didn't see it, but I had an encounter with him, and it was quite intense. Love the show as well. So thank you. Have a good day. Bye.
2: Thanks, Dave, for calling in. You know, that's a lot to unpack. But all these reports of this Glimmerman character being seen in private residence is enough to make one question the military's involvement. There's a fine line between cocky and stupid, and I think testing stealth camouflage in a private citizen's home, unbeknownst to the owner, is covered under the ladder. It's pretty stupid and seems like a risk the military simply wouldn't take. So if not the military, who, why? And what would have happened if Dave fired a shot? Something tells me we don't wanna know. But thanks again, Dave, for the wild tale. Well, you know, speaking of the military, I actually have a small collection of military-themed stories submitted by Kim in Arkansas. Here is what she has to say about the subject.
3: Hi, Derek. This is Karen. I live in Arkansas now. Between 1990 and 1994, I was stationed at F.B. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming, which back in the day used to be an Army Cavalry Fort there had been, of course, a lot of fighting between the Army soldiers and Indians, and a lot of deaths, of course. Now, my story, there's actually a couple things that happened to me. Uh, One involved my friend Teresa. She she was working the graveyard shift in lodging, and one night she called me up. It must have been about 2 o'clock in the morning. She called me up just freaking out. She doesn't really believe in the paranormal, but she was working in lodging in the office and could see through the glass door out into the lobby. Well, she sees a gentleman with long black hair sit down in the lobby. So when she went out of the office to see what he needed, he disappeared. And she said that the lights started flickering. Well, she was so frightened. She ended up calling me waking me up and asked me to go down there and sleep on the couch in the lobby. So I did and of course she had to make sure I got up in time to get to work myself the next morning. Another incident that happened there. I was in my room one day and I was lying on my bed. I had not fallen asleep or anything. I had just closed my eyes to rest and I heard my door open. Well, these doors you had combination buttons that you had to press in in order to open it. So I'm thinking, okay, that's weird. I turn around, and it's actually still closed. So I was like, okay. But a couple seconds later, I feel something climb on top of me. There's no one there. I can't see anything, but I can feel it lying on top of me. And so I just kind of sat there and said, okay, whenever you're ready, please get off. Uh, They did whatever it was, did immediately. And... I heard the door open and close again. Of course, I didn't see that happen. I just heard it happen. And there was a time when I had had an operation. So my mom had come out and was staying in one of the rooms. And the dorm next door to us, she told me the next morning, she goes, there was a loud party going on last night. I looked at her and I said, Mom, there's nobody in that dorm. It is empty. I have other stories. All through my life I've heard and seen stuff, but that is my story for tonight. Thank you, I do love the podcast, and I'm a new subscriber, still catching up, binging all these seasons. Bye.
2: Thanks, Kim. Much of what you described is standard for hotel hauntings. A wait on the bed, flickering lights, hearing doors open and close, and of course, the loud party late at night across the hall. The full-bodied apparition of a Native American man. Well, that was an added bonus. And of course, none of these things ever happen when I'm staying at a hotel. Just odd odors, crying babies, and probably rogue construction. But we thank you, Kim, for sharing your stories. And you know, if it's more stories you seek... Then grab yourself some bonus content and support the program by visiting patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. There are three tiers up to two bonus episodes a month, plus nearly 50 back patreon exclusive episodes. So, what are you waiting for? It's patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. And wait until you hear Jacqueline's entry on the latest episode. That's some creepy stuff. And speaking of creepy, this next one is just that. So please welcome Dave from Illinois to the program.
9: Hello Derek, this is Dave from Illinois calling about an experience I had in Illinois west of Chicago, about 25 miles west of Chicago, 1990. I grew up in an old house that the back of the house had tall elm trees and they're 80 to 100 feet tall. I was walking my dog in the back one day It was a fall day, kind of see through the trees. I remember wearing a flannel, you know, it was the 90s. And the dog stopped and looked up towards the trees and I looked up and just as I looked up, I saw the tops of the trees, the tree line ran north to south, tops of the trees bending to the north, just the very top part of them. As I noticed that, something shot by skimming the tops of the trees, going incredibly fast, no sound. It passed by, the trees snapped back, I, I felt and heard a whoosh of air, which was the only sound I heard, and the leaves flying out of the trees and the branches came crashing down and stuff. In the brief seconds I saw it, it didn't have wings, it wasn't tremendously big, maybe the size of a Toyota Corolla, not as wide, it wasn't reflective, maybe like a graphite-looking body to it. The front of it kind of had a glow, the or the direction it was moving, the front what i call it it had a kind of like a glow not like illuminating light but like a glow of a ember in a charcoal grill the speed it was going it would have made noise that we lived in the flight path of o'hare i'm very familiar with what planes look like it was going the opposite way that they would go and also uh, much lower. nothing there was no sound no explosion no jet noise no nothing the speed it was traveling it would have Hit a church at the end of the block at the speed and the height and the direction. Didn't hear that. Grabbed my dog, ran down the street. Even looked, uh, didn't see anything else. Like I said it was just a weird object that went by awfully fast. No wings, no lights, no markings, no nothing identifying it as a normal aircraft. Something that should be in the air moving that fast. Thanks for listening to my story, and thanks for the podcast. Enjoy it. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Dave. Two thoughts come to mind when hearing this experience. Some scientists believe the Tunguska explosion, the mysterious blast zone in Russia that showed up in 1908. Well, they hypothesize that it was an ice meteor, or a small meteor that exploded just before reaching the Earth's surface, causing a large blast zone but no real crater. Is it possible Dave saw the same thing on a much smaller scale? And the second and likely more relevant point to mention is that as Dave described the craft, I couldn't help but think of the infamous tic-tac UFO reported and found by our own Navy. But you know, I could speculate all day. Maybe someone out there has some real information to contribute to Dave's story. Give us a ring if this sounds familiar. Until then, thanks Dave for the entry. And just like that, we've reached our final destination. It's our last call of the evening, and this one was submitted out of the state of Colorado.
0: Well, hey, I'm read out being anonymous. I'm from Southern Colorado, and it's really hard and awkward. But I just wanted to share something with you that you mentioned a while back is about if you go to bed, which you understand right now, if you're being taken with your socks, if you turn them inside out, you know what I mean? If they're outside or whatever and you wake up in the right way in, something's going on. I heard that a while back and there's a lot of crazy stuff that's going on and I was like, you know what? Whatever. But this is something, I don't know. This is kind of awkward. It's really shocking. So one night I go to bed early and um I'm like yeah I got grocery shopping, yeah, go take my grandma, you know what I mean gotta take her to the bank, go to bed and the next morning I wake up, I start to shower and I look down and <laughs> I'm wearing old socks which makes no sense because <sighs> I'm sorry. The day before I was wearing like regular like Adidas socks and that's why I like Dia socks. So my were brand new and I remember rubbing stuff on my left foot and it was just it was just I stepped wrong and I twisted it. And my new ones, which everybody knows, if you have a socks, the front have the three dots. The old ones have the the logo on the front and the three dots on the back. When I woke up, I was wearing my old ones and I'm just sitting there looking, like, okay, what the hell's going on? Like this is not real. I literally remember Putting, up, putting my brand new socks on which I like wearing because they're more comfy or squishy and I remember pulling it up and I just sat there and thinking like okay this does not happen I was so in shock and I remember saying certain things about you know your socks and this and that and then I had to start thinking alright this is a trip because that morning when I woke up I woke up across my bed and I have a king size bed and I never wake up on an angle and something's been going on for a minute. And it was really, really shocking because I even took a step back and tried to figure out, right, what did I do? There's, there's no way I can change my socks. And I started thinking, like, how long has this been going on for? Because there's been things in the past, six months ago, where I was waking up in the middle of the night and I'd be like half naked with my left sock on. I'm like, I don't sleep like this. There's, 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 there's no way. You know, it's like total fear. Like, there's no, there's no way because the older I got, I realized that you can't sleep half naked with kids around or people you are dating. And all that hit in the bathroom, and I started crying. And I didn't know what to do because all of this led up to that. And I remember you saying something about the socks, and I just wanted to share that with you. And to me, it's straight fear, I don't know. Like, I know what happened, and I know what's going on but my house hasn't been the same it's really quiet it's awkward being here and I've heard people tell their stories about it and to be there to know what that terror is I don't know man. it's it's really shocking and my main question is like how long has this been going on for because back about a year ago that's when this all started happening when happening and all that stuff and then the socks, and then I, I don't know, I just wanted to share that with you just to let you know that it, (laughs) yeah, it really happens. I don't know, I, I want to move, but I know it's not going to end, I don't know how to explain it, it's just really, it's just really weird, I, I you can find my best friend, and (laughs) she calmed me down, but I don't know, but I just I remember you saying that a while ago because it was just really weird with everything going on. To me, I feel violated to know that's what's going on or how long it's been going on, and just you're violating my space, and I don't know if it's ever going to end. It stopped about two weeks ago, but we'll see. Thank you for everything you do. I just wanted to share that with anybody or whatever, and it happened to me, and my next thing, I'm, I'm going to try to... I, I want to install a camera, but I'm really scared because I'm, I'm scared to to see what happens. You know what I mean? I don't, the truth's there and I don't understand. Or sometimes I'm thinking crazy what's going on. And that's when my friend realizes, like, no, you're not crazy. This is, thank you. I, I don't share a lot of stuff like that. And keep up the good work and hopefully this helps somebody out. Bye.
2: Thank you for sharing that experience. It sounds like it took its toll on you to do so. Now to begin here, I believe her caller is referring to a suggestion I made several seasons ago that if you suspect you may be the victim of alien abduction, go to bed with your pajamas on backwards or inside out. If you wake to find them corrected, you know you have an issue. Well, it sounds like our caller awoke to be wearing a pair of socks he did not remember putting on. So, alien abduction. Or did he just mistakenly grab the wrong pair of socks? Now, of course, this is not the first time clothing has played a pivotal role in a supposed alien abduction. Sixty years ago this year, one of the first, if not the first, contemporary alien abduction stories took place in the mountains of New Hampshire. A husband and wife returning home late at night after a weekend in Canada. They experience a strange light in the sky. They pulled to the side of the road, and before Betty and Bernie Hill know it, they're on board an alien spacecraft, enduring an onslaught of painful medical examinations. Only they had a hard time remembering any of it. Betty sees
8: this unusual light that seems to be maneuvering.
3: This light stopped in midair directly in
5: front of us. The car motor stopped, and at that point, I realized that they
3: undoubtedly planned to take us on board.
8: And then the next thing is that they're 35 miles down the road, and they have no idea how they got that far down the road. It turns out they were missing two hours.
4: My wife decided, well, we should notify someone, and we thought of notifying the military base located in this area. A radar had detected something
10: unidentified and had reported it through channels inside the Air Force. They had tracked an
5: unidentified craft at 2.14 AM, just about the time we estimate that the UFO left.
10: They developed a series of nightmares. And as a result of that, the ufologists told them you should be regressed hypnotically to try to see if you remember more. The doctor who did the hypnosis was Dr. Simon, and he was an expert. And he played the tapes for us.
0: They are terrifying. Oh! Oh! All right. Is he captain? What is he? You're still asleep, but you can see it all clearly. Looks like a big pancake with windows. got to get away
2: Now that clip, courtesy of the History Channel. Now, the more you research this case, the spookier it gets. I mentioned clothing because the dress Betty was wearing that evening has been preserved as part of an exhibit at a university in New Hampshire. The dress is significant because she never wore it again after the alleged abduction. But the dress is covered in strange stains and small puncture holes. Stains DNA tested to be human bodily fluids and holes that align with the area of Betty's navel, a location she claimed was the subject of many agonizing tests, including plunging a foot-long needle into her belly button. And I said possibly the oldest alien abduction experience on record because there is one other that I'm aware of that is slightly older. The abduction of Antonio villas The case of a young Brazilian farmer, Antonio Villas-Boas, took place in 1957, four years before Betty and Barney Hill had their encounter. Antonio Villas-Boas
4: was uh, a farmer, uh, and basically uh, it's, uh, chronologically speaking, would be the first abduction case. He claimed he saw an object come down out of the sky and land nearby. He reported that he was taken, captured by these two aliens that landed near his tractor.
2: Diaz-Boas was taken inside the craft, and his clothes were taken from him. He was put in a chamber that filled up with a gas that made him sick. Most believe the gas was some sort of disinfectant. A naked female alien entered the chamber. Okay, you can guess where it goes from here. A link to the full clip is in the show notes. And that clip is courtesy of Paranormal TV. So circling back to our caller, try the shirt idea or the pajama idea. It's a little bit easier to detect than a pair of socks. And if you do decide to employ a camera, reflect the image off of a mirror or something reflective. I've always heard tell that you could trick them into being on camera with that method. You know, they traverse the great expanses of our solar system, but they trip up on mirrors. I don't come up with this stuff, folks. I just repeat what I hear. Thanks again, caller, for sharing the entry. And I hope for your sake, the activity you experienced is still on its long hiatus. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the bone chilling music you hear in the background. Well that's co. HE music, and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. Okay, tonight's bonus story comes to us from the Peach State of Georgia. Woodrow, welcome to the program. Oh, if your house still receives regular visits from the Tooth Fairy, you might want to skip this one. For real, here there be spoilers.
10: Hey Derek, this is uh, Woodrow, you can call me Woodrow, calling from Georgia uh, and the United States. So I've got two stories for you. The first one, or they both involve early childhood experiences. The first one was when I lived in Georgia before I moved to Florida, but it was around early 1990s, early mid-1990s. I was in elementary school in Gainesville, Georgia. Uh, The school specifically was Sardis Elementary, and there's a reason why I'm giving this info. It happened on St. Patrick's Day. And, you know, as a kid in elementary school, you know, you're probably drawing shamrocks or something like that. I don't remember exactly what I was doing. But we went to go to lunch, and, you know, we were eating lunch, and all of a sudden the classroom table I was at freaks out, and, you know, they point, and, you know, I look. Maybe there's about, like, a three, three three-and-a-half-foot man Specifically remember like a greenish shirt, maybe some brown pants. Running against the cafeteria wall. And the way this little ish man or I I don't mean that sound disrespectful, but the way he was running, he made it look like a blur. Like he was running really fast, like if you if you were on the side of the road and you saw a car drive past you at like two hundred miles an hour, it'd be like a blur. But he wasn't running that fast. He was running like a uh, short-legged person. And then throughout this day, there was a kid. It was one of my friends in elementary school. Found, like, little pieces of silver on the playground and whatnot. I want to say it's Leprechaun, but I don't know. I know kids in general are, as well as the elderly or people that are dying, are susceptible to sightings that maybe you and I wouldn't be susceptible to. I know, like, for instance, you know, people that are dying may might see angels or, you know, have a hellish sighting before death. So that's my first story. I want to say to a leprechaun. I don't know, um, but I don't think, you know, there could be a mass student hallucination. Uh, but we all saw the same thing, and we all talked about it, and teachers saw it, and it was just like the coolest thing. Second, story is when I was about seven and I moved to Florida uh, because my dad got a job in Florida in Clearwater I lost a tooth and at that time I still believed in the tooth fairy you know and now as a 32 year old guy I don't want to necessarily say I believe in the tooth fairy because I think it's ridiculous sounding but I do believe in fairies anyways but because of this experience but so i lost the tooth and it was still daylight so i turned all the lights off in my room shut the blinds put the tooth under the middle of my pillow you know made sure there wasn't any under money under it so you know like because kids would tell me oh no your parents just do that you know at school and whatnot so i put the tooth under my pillow and i'm waiting there for a while and probably 30 minutes pass, and i'm not sleepy at all because it's midday Eventually, I see a light. And I look over, and from what I can tell, it looks like little wings flapping and sparkles flying off, almost like um, Tinkerbell. Bell. Um, like if you've ever seen the movie Peter Pan, the Disney movie Peter Pan, it looks like that. But I was too scared to look over. Like I got this feeling you shouldn't look over. So I turned back over after I saw the wings and like sparkles flying off the wings, and you're know, waiting for a while. And then I was like, I checked in my pillow, you know, after I thought it was safe and my tooth was still there, but there was a dollar bill there, which kind of confused me because I thought, you know, the tooth fairy took the tooth and then left you money. And, you know, I pick up my pillow before I, you know, tried to fake sleep and, you know, I didn't fall asleep at all. Uh, I was quite bored, actually. But, yeah, I couldn't explain it. Like, I ran out, showed my parents, and they thought, like, where did you get this money from? You know, when I told them, you know, that they thought I was, like, crazy or something. And my dad actually went to go check his wallet because he was like, oh, you're in big trouble, mister. But, yeah, like, no cash was missing. I don't know where this money came from. So it was, it was really weird. And I, maybe fairies exist. I don't know. Maybe this fairy was, like, I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it's like it was a very weird experience. Thinking back on it, like I've never told anyone those two stories because they're, they're just really odd and you really wouldn't believe them. But the reason why I gave you the information to play over the air that I went to Sardis Elementary School in Gainesville, Georgia in the early, early mid 90s uh, was because I'm hoping someone listens to your podcast and can actually confirm the story and remember that story because everyone in the cafeteria saw that that leprechaun creature, you know being like a blur running by and I I really don't think teachers were trying to play like any special effects or lighting or anything like that because it was like the early to mid 90s I mean, that technology wasn't around even for even like high-end movies you know, you didn't have that technology but yeah, that's my story Woodrow Thank you. I'm going to be a Patreon supporter. Love your podcast. Um, I've been listening to it on my delivery routes. I have not even gotten a dent into listening to all your episodes yet, but you are killing it, man. Good job. Thank you. Take care.
4: Some people in the Crichton area of Mobile say a leprechaun has taken up residence in their neighborhood. A leprechaun. NBC 15's Brian Johnson has
7: more. Curiosity leads to large crowds in Mobile's Crichton community. Many of you bringing binoculars, camcorders, even camera phones to take pictures. To me, it look like a leprechaun to me. I got to look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? Yeah! Eyewitnesses say the leprechaun only comes out at night. If you shine a light in its direction, it suddenly disappears.
2: That's all I can think of anytime anyone mentions seeing a leprechaun. Hands down, one of the best videos on the entire internet. And of course, it comes to us from WPMI, NBC News 15 out of Mobile, Alabama. And you know, as far as tooth fairies are concerned, someone recently asked me the other day, when you visualize the tooth fairy, is he, she, or it fairy sized or human sized? And without hesitation, I said human-sized. I think that came as a shock to someone that grew up with a Tinkerbell-sized dental demon in their mind, apparently dragging a sack full of children's teeth. So what say you? Human-sized? Or fairy-sized? Thank you, Woodrow. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have yourself a great night.
0: Wait, is that how it goes?